Okay, my, my voice isn't strong today, so I'm going to do my best. Um, we, we are starting a couple of new things um, with the new year, and one thing you might notice is in, in the foyer, there's a, uh, there's a cork board that says posted on it. In uh, the months of March and April, we're going through a series that's just called it the Post-It Series, and what we're going to be doing is just addressing um, ideas that you're coming up with. So I want to invite you to think of some things that you're like, hey, you know, it'd be healthy if we talked about this. So this is something I'd like to know more about. And just post it up there, or you can email me. Um, and I, I just want to come up with some topics that might be relevant to you right now, or things that maybe you're thinking, you know, we should talk about that. I'm really looking forward to that and hearing kind of some of the feedback we get in, in preparation uh, for that. Um, but today we're starting um, Psalm 84. Uh, this is a psalm that um, has impacted my life in an amazing way. And I think, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I think that this psalm carries the essence of the gospel, um, really, um, and what this life is about. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit as a moment, but let's, in a moment, let's, let's go ahead and open with um, just coming before God. Let's, let's pray. Uh, my Father, I just, um, I, I ask that we would recognize life in your presence that we would put ourselves before your throne. And I praise you for this path. I praise you for this journey. Um, God, I, I, I want to hurt with those that hurt and rejoice with those that rejoice. But God, whether we're going through the darkest valley or, or the greatest times in our life, I ask God that it would all be to your glory, that it would all be to your praise. And this morning, I just want to think about home. I want to talk about home. And I, I can't wait to be there with you. And I pray, God, that you would put home on our, our hearts. That it would be more than simply a hope. But, God, it would be our focus. Um, I praise you for the hope that you've given us. I praise you for breathing meaning and depth into our walk and into our lives. And I praise you for giving us one another. Immerse us in your word. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Um, I, I'm curious what that word conjures up for you. Home. What do you think of when you think of home? Where is home for you? How many times has that changed in your life? How many of you live here, but still accidentally, or not accidentally, refer to somewhere else as home? Lived outside of the country or outside of home for extended And it was a time where we didn't have internet have pictures, the only thing I had to remind me of home. I stayed up all night last night, by the way, so I'm emotional today. It's not my topic. But my parents sent me uh, cassette tapes with their voices, and uh, it was really beautiful for me. Now, even though that memory will always be with me of my parents cautioning me about my budget, <laughs> I 
those tapes mean the world to me um, because they were what I had to hold on to when I started really missing home. Now, Austin, North Austin, in the Hill Country, is a place of cedar pollen and heavy traffic, congestion, and it's extremely hot for most of the year. Am I off? Okay, they're pointing me this direction. Um, um, oh, am I back on? Okay. It's cutting in out. Okay, thank you. Let's do this. Oh, wow, I can hear myself now. Um, <laughs> we're going to be taking up a special contribution for our sound system this next. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the truth about Austin, North Austin. However, living away from Austin, it became a place of rolling hills, limestone, cedars, blue bonnets, the smell of barbecue, fresh lakes, and natural springs. And that's all I could think of. That's Austin to me. But living there, it turned into something completely different. I just think about cedar pollen and sneezing constantly in heavy traffic. It's true that being away from a place, um, you, can, you can kind of glamorize, you know, turn it into something it's not. When Melinda and I moved to Colorado, um, it was a very, very um, spiritual time for me because um, it was the biggest change that we had ever made as, as a couple, uh, not just changing what we do, changing where we live, changing everything. And I was in the I-25 I with a U-Haul, and... Um, and radio, it had just been released that week, I think, and uh, the, the lyrics went like this. It's by Philip Phillips. It says, hold on to me as we go, as we roll down this unfamiliar road. And although this wave is stringing us along, <laughs> just know you're not alone. I'm going to make this place your home. I want to let you know that Philip Phillips did not write that song. God wrote that song for me. And um, that's how I felt on I-25 coming into Austin. I remember hearing these lyrics for the first time, and I was coming into a place that was unfamiliar to me. I kept calling Austin home for the two, first two years that I was here. Uh, this was not home. This became home to me. And I wonder how many times in my life home has changed and what it is to be home. But one of the most devastating things I ever went through was after being gone for a couple of years, coming back to Austin and realizing that the place I had dreamt up in my mind of what it was was no longer there, nor was it ever there, probably. That home is not in this world. And Sometimes, even living in a place, if we're living in the past or living in a chapter that's gone by in our lives and making that our home, the truth is we're probably not being honest with ourselves. I haven't been home yet. This psalm, Psalm 84, is about a man, it's, we're going to, it's the sons of Korah. We're going to talk about who they are and why it's so relevant to this psalm in coming weeks. But the sons of Korah write this psalm about home. I just want to take you to the um, um, opening verses. It says this. How lovely 
is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King, my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing he withholds from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This psalm, uh, written by the sons of Korah, and as I said, we'll talk about who they are in coming weeks, but I just want to share a little bit about what they... Oh, I'm sorry. He, he's pointing me back. I'm, I'm being coached. I'm going to put this away from me so I'm not, not tempted. Um, the... Um, the, Psalms, the, the songs of Korah, um, they wrote 11 different psalms. And I just want to share some of what they said. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. That's the sons of Korah. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I won't fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Psalm 46, it's the sons of Korah. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. It's the sons of Korah. These, these um, were, were David's musicians. Um, this reminds me so much. Back when I was a young preacher, I was at a church that didn't want me to leave the pulpit. And I kept having to do this because they got mad if I left. So I'm doing it again. Um, but... but it, it, this psalm is coming from the musicians of David. These are these are the, these are his musicians. We'll talk a little bit about who they are and the role they played in Israel. But I want to challenge you to do something because this psalm means so much to me and to other people in here. I want to challenge you with these twelve verses. I want you to memorize these with me. Um, this, it, it, I think, it's always healthy to memorize scripture, but particularly the psalms. If there's anything worth memorizing in Scripture, it's the Psalms, because they direct your mind into godly thoughts, into godly prayers, and thinking like God God would want us to think, I believe. Um, so I want to encourage you, memorize this with me um, as we go through this series, because there is going to be so much here. And as I said, this, this encompasses the gospel. This is a Psalm that says the world is not our home. We're on a path to go home. But here's the most important part. Our path here has a purpose. This, this psalm 
was, was written um, uh, to address the pilgrimages. Um, it's called a pilgrim psalm because they would, it's a psalm that, that we believe they would focus on when they were on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And of course, there, there were three feasts, the Day of Atonement, the Passover, and Pentecost, in which they made pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And, and so people have wondered about this psalm. Well, is it talking about going home to heaven? Or is it talking about the pilgrimage that people would make to the temple? And the answer is yes, because that pilgrimage that they took represented heaven. It represented a journey to go before the presence of God. And how about this? This is an amazing thought that came to me. I hope I wasn't being overly creative with some of this, but I realized, you know, that that pilgrimage was different for every single individual that went. The path that it was to go from where you lived to Jerusalem to the temple was different for everyone. Um, And there was a particular valley that most people had to pass through. We'll talk about it in a few weeks, called the Valley of Baca. And it means a valley of weeping. It means a valley of darkness. Amazing that Psalm 23, Charles Spurgeon said this, is the most known psalm. Psalm 51 is the most penitent, but Psalm 84 is the sweetest of the psalms. It's amazing that two of those psalms are about valleys. Psalm 23 about the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 84 about the valley of tears and what happens in these valleys. And uh, I don't know, I just, I got really excited when I was thinking about that. Um, C.S. Lewis said this about home. And I want to talk a little bit more about home and what I, I believe this psalm has for us. In Mere Christianity, he writes, The Christian says creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's a such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's a such thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's a such thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, What does it not prove that the universe is a fraud? Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. Um, this this message, um, what, what C.S. Lewis had to say there, um, <laughs> this is great, is, is, is so vitally important to me. Because the one thing about the gospel of Christ, the one thing that breathes so much depth into this story, and the Christian walk and the Christian existence, is that it has purpose. It has direction. Um, I thought about this example. I'm coming right back. In reading a good story, in reading a good novel, um, 
Uh, I was inspired to, to talk about this because of a post that Heather uh, posted yesterday that I thought was really brilliant. But looking at, looking at your life as a book um, with direction, with purpose. Now, I just watched the last Star Wars, and I'm not going to talk about it because I know some of you haven't seen it. But um, I'm a Star Wars fanatic, okay? I, I am. It's a movie that's very special to me. It's a, a story that's very special to me. And it's unlike a lot of stories. Um, J.K. Rowling is a great author. Tolkien was a great author. Author George Lucas, I believe, was a great author. But what makes him different than the other two is he surrendered his story to other writers. And as a Star Wars fan, I hated that. Why are you turning the story and giving it to, and I'm not going to call out names, but Ryan Johnson, oh, no, son. J.J. <laughs> Abrams did okay. But what you did to my story, you took it and you took the depth out of it. And I think about my life and your life as a book, as this journey. And you open up and and what really matters is the author. And God calls himself in, in Acts, he's referred to as the author of life. Not simply the creator of not life. Not simply the one who, no, he's the author. And sometimes you look at your life and you're thinking, who's in charge of the script? Are you serious? And that you go through chapters in your life, and I'm not saying, hey, God did that or anything like that, but you go through chapters in your life, and the first chapter I call the golden years. Now, some of you, your book is the exact opposite of this. Your life begins with, "Uh uh-uh, that's the chapter that we throw away. I hate that. I don't think about that. But the golden years, the home that we dreamt up in our minds, um, what we compare the rest of life to, man, if I could just go back to those days, if I could just smell my grandma's bread again, you know, if I could just be in that home, if I could just be in that church, if I could just be in that place, that part of my life where I felt useful, where I had to, man, those were the good chapters. And then you flip the page to the next chapter and you're going back in what I call the dark years. And that's when you're asking yourself, who is in charge of this story? And how does this advance the plot at all? What on earth is this doing? Why is this part of my life a part of anything? And God, I don't understand it. But the thing is, it's like a book in that where is this story going? Does it have direction? Does it have purpose? In the next chapter, wait, you just killed off the hero. Um, why did you turn Luke Skywalker who's supposed to be a confident, seasoned, wise Jedi, into an unstable, immature, emo child. You just killed off my hero. And I was thinking about that, writing that down, and I can hear God saying that to me. You're supposed to be this seasoned, mature, and you're acting like an unstable child. And you start realizing, wait, what if this story is not about who I thought it was about? What if I'm not the hero of the story? What if, what if my life is here to bring the hero into light, to bring the hero into view? But the most important part is the ending. Have you ever seen a movie that was just terrible, it's trash, but the ending saved it? Like all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe this movie actually got redeemed by a good ending. Um, Schindler's List is one of those movies in my mind. I was bored to tears with it, hated it. Then the ending hit, and I was like, oh, (laughs) all of a sudden we have a decent movie, a really good movie. Sixth Sense, I felt like, was that way. Um, I think about that, and I think about the story, and that's what Psalm 84 is about. 
It's about a journey that we're going on together and what it is to look at this life through that lens. Um, He says this, my soul yearns. Well, look at the imagery here, how visceral this is. My soul, my heart, my flesh. My soul yearns, faints. My heart, my flesh cry out. We're talking about more than a love for God. We're talking about an appetite for his presence. I desperately need to be where you are. I desperately need to be home. Um, and uh, I talked about the C.S. Lewis quote. Paul picks up on this in the New Testament. And you think about the way Paul lived his life, never knowing from one minute to the other, am I about to go home? Is this it? Is this prison sentence really my last one? What's happening here? And he writes these words. Our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies. So that they will be like his glorious body. He writes in 2 Corinthians. We're confident. And I say that would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In uh, John 14, 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. In just a minute, I want to share a video with you. Is that video, are we okay with that video? Okay. In just a minute, I want to share a video with you. And um, I want to invite you to do what I believe what the Psalms are intended to do for our lives. Over the coming um, couple of months, we're going to be just in this Psalm, kind of really unpacking some of the rich themes that are in this. And I want to let, allow this to be a meditative experience, something that we're meditating on that focus and allowing God to speak some truths into our lives and to how we are living our lives here in this world on a pilgrimage to go home. Um, one of the greatest days of my life, because I turned it into something spiritual, was the day I got on an airplane in Quito, Ecuador, to come back to the United States. And they served me a piece of cheese. The cheese in Ecuador is disgusting. You have to go down to Chile for good cheese. But they served me a piece of cheese, and I cried. And I turned on my headphones, my little Walkman with my cassette tape. And I listened to Freebird by Leonard Skinner. And I cried like a baby on the flight to come home. I don't have answers for most of the questions that you're going to have about the story of your life. What is this pilgrimage about? Why am I going through this junk? But I know this. Heaven is more than something we sing about. Heaven is a reality. And we're not talking about streets of gold or houses made of jewels. We're talking about life and God's embrace. I love it the way it's spoken of in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. He's in Abraham's bosom. He's in his embrace. 
and he's home. Um, I want to have the longing in my soul for that that you experience in this psalm. Something that turns this world into something more tolerable. Because I wasn't created for this world. I was created for something eternal. And it's the greatest privilege in our lives to sit down, as we would back in Ecuador, with people that also call that home. Did you know once a year, um, the missionaries and oil workers in Ecuador from the program HCJB, we get together, and at the 4th of July, we just shut ourselves into a world where we thought about America. Now, I'm not the world's greatest patriot, but when you live overseas, you turn into the world's greatest patriot. Um, and we'd eat hot dogs, and we would talk and look at fireworks, and we would talk about home. And it was the healthiest time to kind of get your mind straight. That's what church is supposed to be. We're a people that come together and we're going through the same dark valleys. We're going through a lot of the same stuff. We're experiencing loss. We miss people we love. We dread growing old sometimes. But we have this in common. We're singing songs about home. And I praise God to be able to share that journey with you. To be able to speak the same language and speak with confidence about what's ahead says in Proverbs, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Watch this video with me.